0: And so I was out backpacking um, before the start of the next semester that I was about to teach and just decided that I was gonna quit my job and start my own business. (laughs) And um, I was kinda like, this is a huge leap of faith. Um, But I just feel this like, this draw, this passion to, to do this.
1: Welcome to the StokeCast, where each week we bring you an inspiring athlete, adventurer, or entrepreneur, and dig into their stories and strategies for building and trying to balance work, life, adventure, and impact. I'm Jonathan Ronzio.
2: And I'm Emily Holland. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the StokeCast. This is Emily Holland. I have Jonathan Ronzio on here today as well.
1: I'm here here too. We did it. (laughs) Per usual. (laughs) The two of us.
2: We we do this together. Have we done that every time? Not every time. No,
1: there there were three. Was it three episodes? I think. Yeah. You, you were uh, you were down food and out. Food poisoning. Yeah. yeah. Food poisoning, and I and I had to take some uh, interviews alone. The dark days. We'll call that's the, that was the uh, the dark ages.
2: <laughs> that was when I knew that Andrew and I were really committed to each other because he was uh, helping me through food poisoning. So that was that, a that really was. lovely moment. Yeah. Those,
1: those are moments that you, uh, <laughs> you know. That's what it takes, actually. If anybody in a relationship with, uh, with doubts, just like break something or get sick and see what happens.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There will <laughs> be some truth telling there. So today we have Stephanie Howe. Can you tell us a little bit about Stephanie, Jonathan?
1: Yes, Stephanie, um, you know, incredible human. Uh, we have an amazing conversation, multi-talented. She is a uh, ultra runner, uh, an adventurer, as you will hear, not just a runner, but an adventurer. Um, and also a, a doctor. She got her doctorate in, um, I believe it's exercise science and nutrition. And, uh, and so we talk a lot about her journey as an athlete, becoming a professional sponsored athlete with the North Face. Um, but also breaking down how she thinks about nutrition, how she thinks about fueling for her races, um, and, uh, and how you might want to adopt some of the, the, the principles and practices that she, she has, uh, based on the science. That's what I loved about this is like, we get kind of deep into some real science of food and how it impacts your body, uh, on, on distance running. And, uh, and then we also talk about, uh, you know, business, of course. I love that. So Stephanie's got a uh, an expedition company, so a lot of different parts to this conversation: running, business, nutrition. It's a good one. Please enjoy. How's it going, Stephanie? Welcome to the Stoke Cast. How are you?
0: Hi, thanks. I'm good. Thanks for having me.
1: Of course, we are uh, super excited to chat with you and dig into your story and all things, uh, you know, your life and passion and and. Um, everything you're doing out in the, in the world. So what, what's, what's going on in your world right now? Where, where are you?
0: Well, I'm in Mill Valley, California, which has been uh, a big move for me. I've lived in Bend, Oregon the last 11 years, but I just moved down here this spring, um, kind of before everything shut down. So I basically <laughs> moved to California and then shelter in place started. So I it's weird. I don't really know the area other than the trails right now, but I'm really looking forward to getting to know it once places open up again.
1: Yeah, once once we can go to places again.
0: Yeah, places, right? I know.
1: (laughs) But you have like that's such a beautiful wall of windows behind you, and and a (laughs) giant tree. Like it's a nice little setup.
0: There's a, yeah, there's a nice redwood tree behind me. Um, there's a little deck that I do yoga on right by the redwood. It's nice. Um, and it's such a change coming here from I grew up in Minnesota and then lived in Oregon and California's warm. I'm like, it's gonna make me soft here. Like the winters are like, they're pretty, pretty nice. Um also <laughs> go visit Minnesota just to remember what the cold is like.
2: Yeah, that's yeah, right. good for character building. From me and Jonathan, we you know, I just moved from the Northeast, but those kind of winters really, they make you remember the good times, don't they?
0: They make you hearty for sure. <laughs> but,
1: you, but you're right. It goes away. Like, I, I, you know, I'm still in the Boston area, but my brother has been in like Arizona for 10 years now and he comes back here and he's, he's dressing like an Eskimo, like w- walking around like he <laughs> has no interest in the cold anymore.
0: I see people here in down jackets. I'm like, what are you doing? You know, 50 <laughs> degrees. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. So um so I guess like I would love to just hear a little bit more about how you've been spending your time I guess if not exploring the 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 places that you can't go to but like what 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 have you been up to?
0: Well, it's been a little interesting. Um, I had surgery um, in December for on my Achilles, and it was kind of like a nagging injury that I knew I was going to have to have surgery, and it wasn't my first surgery, so that was like another fun thing I had to endure, and um, so it was recovering over the winter, and then I got a staph infection in my foot the the surgical foot and had to get another surgery to like clean it out it was super Mm. scary this was in february um basically went in to just like get it checked out and they admitted me into the hospital did the surgery and i was there for like three days on like iv and like it it was super scary Um, fast forward to now so I've been rehabbing, basically, which has been a little bit challenging with no PTs, no gyms, um, just kind of been at home trying to do what I know. And it's good for my patients. Um, it's kind of taught me to just like sit with a slower pace of life right now. Um, but as things have healed. I've been able to get out more and more first on my bike, which was great. I, I love biking. I have a, a gravel bike and a mountain bike and I just explore the trails. So I've been doing a bit of that to get to know the area. And then most recently dabbling in a little bit of running. Um, and I say that like people see on Strava what I've done. They're like, that's not dabbling. Um, but to <laughs> me, it's like, I'm just doing it a couple days a week. Like I do, there's a mountain here called Mount Tam. Um, it's like a three miles up and then I take a little longer way down. So like a 10 mile round trip. Um, and that's been really fun just to go do and explore. So just to go
1: dabble, just the dabbler, dabble. 10, 10 mile yeah. dabble.
0: Yeah, but I don't feel forced or not that I ever feel forced but there is absolutely no reason to rush right now into anything because there's no races. So it's a really like organic, just exploration of like foot and bike and movement.
2: Yeah, and I, I and moving to a new place too. I feel like that's the best way, right, to get to know like the the roots of a place. No pun intended, is to go out on the trails and be able to like explore in that way. So that must be pretty fun right now with some of the awesome. the trails around there.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the only thing I would say I'm, I'm lacking is like connection to people. Mm-hmm. Um, I would I mean everybody is to be honest, but I don't have a lot of friends down here yet, so it's like uh, a little bit like, okay, I'm really ready to get out and mingle a little bit, like <laughs> um, have some girlfriends.
1: Yeah. What, I- what prompted the move?
0: Um, so I, I kind of was getting fed up with Ben just because everyone was moving there, it was growing, um, and I needed a change, but really what prompted it was I got divorced. Mm. and that was super painful, and just needed a change of pace, and I've been down here a bunch of times. Um, The North Face does a race, or they used to do a race every December um, called the North Face Endurance Challenge, so I've been down here several times. Um, The Bay Area is just like a a place where I've traveled to a lot, and I've loved it. Um, Yeah, and it was kind of an easy move, not financially, but an easy move logistically to get down here, so here I am
2: so yeah, I mean, sorry to hear about obviously the the divorce, but um I feel like what a great place to be, especially this time of year, right, in the sunshine, and be able to like take that in and and have it be almost like therapeutic, hopefully,
0: yeah, um, absolutely, and i mean i'm I'm okay talking about the divorce. It was like, you know, I've kind of been open about it. It was just something that. I just needed to do for myself to be happy again and I, I am myself again and it's great um, but as I was recovering I just thinking about like in Oregon with like during that period of time where I couldn't do anything I couldn't sit outside it's freezing there's snow on the ground but here I could like sit outside in the sunshine and that was very therapeutic um, got some vitamin D I've already got like a pre-tan going it's great <laughs>
1: how, how long were you married
0: uh, five years
1: Yeah. I mean, I, that's, it seems like you have the right attitude. Like my, my parents divorced when I was in college and, uh, and it's never easy, but like, that was the conversation that I had with my mom. And she, she was like, you know what? It's like, you have one life, right? And, and you want to be happy and you have to make the decisions to make you happy. And sometimes those are hard decisions and sometimes they affect people beyond you. But, um, you know, it, it was a hard lesson, but I've had the empathy to understand, like, no, it's like, Mom needed to live her life, right? And as did you.
0: Yeah. And to be honest, one of the hardest parts was I just was almost embarrassed to admit, like to start telling people because I was pretty private about like the struggles I was having um, besides my close friends. So it kind of might have seemed out of the blue to some people, but I just like couldn't do it for external reasons. Like I needed to, I, I needed to be supported in my relationship and in my life and I wasn't and you know, now now I feel great. It it was just like, it's kind of like that painful, like, you know, you have to do it. And once you get over the hump, things get better.
1: I think that's so true of so many different parts of life too. Like, you know, so many people listening right now might be feeling like they need to get out of the job they're in, or they need to, um, get out of the relationship or, or end the bad habit that they seem to not be able to quit. Like, right. Like there's all those moments that you just struggle to, uh, allow yourself to move on, right?
0: Right. And I think you nailed it with you only have one life. So it's not worth just like, you know, powering through something that's really unhealthy for you.
2: Yeah. And so let's kind of take a step back, I think, into what started you off on this path and what led you to you know where you are today, and
1: Emily's pulling us out of the depths I, of our souls. I know. For, I usually go bit.
2: deeper in those. I actually now I'm going away from it, <laughs> which is weird. I think quarantine has pushed me the opposite end of the spectrum, where I'm usually like, "Yes, feelings. Let's talk about feelings." And now I'm like, "I'm I'm thinking about feelings way too much. I don't want to talk about them anymore." <laughs> oh,
0: butterflies.
2: <laughs> um. But no, I think that that theme of like knowing yourself and knowing what you need um, is is something that from the outside looking in, like it seems like it's it's popped up in different parts of what we see as your profession and what you're doing. So I'm interested to hear, you know, in going down that path, you know, what was the driving force where you're like, I want to make sure I can help people with nutrition. I want to make sure I can help people with their exercise. Like what was the driving force in, in going down that career path?
0: Yeah, I think I've always really known what my passion is. I I'm lucky in that way, or maybe I've just done a lot of like thinking or self-reflection. I think I knew from kind of a young age, actually, um, like in high school, I, I won this award. It was called the Athena Award in Minnesota. And you you got to go to this big banquet and um, tell everyone what you wanted to be when you were like, you know, graduated college. And I remember I said I was going to be an athlete or get going to be working with athletes in some way. So wow. I just kind of knew that that, you know, like the movement was an important thing to me like it's it's how I learn it's how I think and I I love connecting with people through movement and nutrition is really an extension of that so my path like started off um in academia I wanted to be a full-time professor in exercise science and do research and be all like you know working at a big university and lecturing and I changed my mind a little bit. Um, Although I did love being in academia. I loved being a student. Like if I could be a full-time student, I would. (laughs) Uh, It doesn't pay well. Um, And I, I lecture, or I was a professor for a while and just found that I wasn't able to make the difference I wanted to make. Like when you're teaching to a class, you really touch maybe four or five students, like really touch them. And the rest of the class is kind of in it for like, I want the grade or I don't really care. And I know that's like, you know, kind of um, oversimplifying it, but I just felt like, oh, I can just use so much more one-on-one with people, and so I was out backpacking um, before the start of the next semester that I was about to teach, and just decided that I was going to quit my job and start my own business, <laughs> and um, I was kind of like, this is a huge leap of faith, um, but I just feel this like this draw, this passion to, to do this. And so I did. And it was like, you know, stop, like turning away this job with like full benefits and like a secure paycheck um, to, to do this thing that I really wanted to do. And um, the business is really been built up just out of passion. And so nutrition, is especially for me, it's just like, it's so important. And I love sharing what I know with people because you can make such a difference, whether it be from someone who is overweight or who just wants to be healthy and learn to eat better for lifelong health or an athlete trying to maximize performance. There's so much you can do with really simple changes. And I just saw a lot of nutrition professionals not doing it really great, in my opinion, <laughs> like giving people just these like cookie cutter plans or not giving them accountability. And so they're just like blindly following and not really understanding the science or how the body works. And so my approach is a little different. I, I require accountability. Like I won't give someone a, a full meal plan um, unless there's like really specific circumstances. But I actually like have them in charge of they have to learn how to cook and feed themselves because that's how you set habits for lifelong health. And I teach them the science because who doesn't want to know like why you need to do these things? Like why do you need a carbohydrate? Why do you need protein? Not just because I say so, but let's actually like teach you why because then you're more likely to do it.
1: Yeah. Can we hear a little bit about why you need a carbohydrate and a protein?
0: Oh, gosh. Are you going <laughs> to fire me right now? Um, it, you know, it, without being like specific numbers, because um, everyone's different, but your, your body needs all three nutrients to thrive and survive. Like the brain alone needs 130 grams of carbohydrate per day to stay alive. Um, protein is the building block of all basically muscle, all uh, messaging in the body, um, fat is, every cell has a fat lipid layer around it. Like, they're just like, there's so many reasons that you need all of them. And now going into like performance, you can say, okay, you need like this much protein to recover because that's, you know, you're, you're having this muscle breakdown, muscle turnover, or you need X amount of carbohydrate to replenish your glycogen stores. And that's all individual numbers. So you can really geek out on it. <laughs> I,
1: l- I love it. Actually, th- this came up the other day because my, my wife was saying something had like riboflavin in it. And she's like, what is riboflavin? And in my mind, I immediately went to, um, like, I-, I didn't connect riboflavin to what it is, uh, which is vitamin B, right? Yeah. Um, and I was, it,
0: thinking, I, I was
1: thinking of the organelle that's like rib, rib,
0: uh,
1: ribosomes, Ribosomes, yeah, I was yeah. thinking of ribosomes, and it, and then I went on to a deep rabbit hole of like trying to draw out a, a cell like I did when I was in like ninth grade, and doing <laughs> like the, cel, the cell wall, and the mitochondria, and the vacuole, and all the or, different organelles, and it was like, it was such a throwback, and I loved it.
0: Um, I'm just going to con- confess something here you know the adult coloring books um i i do a twist on that i have adult and actually they're like student anatomy and physiology books (laughs) i color those to relax myself it's that's
1: that's incredible i love that actually (laughs) that's a pro tip uh, environmental science was my minor and my favorite thing was like actually looking through the microscope and then drawing what i was seeing like when we did those labs like i loved it yeah Awesome, well, I guess we don't have to geek out on science for the entire <laughs>
0: Like, I'll Just let you guys entire- keep
1: going. But yeah. <laughs> no, that's, that's super interesting. But so when you said like, I wanna be an athlete or I wanna work with athletes,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, there was something that I did read also in, on your, your bio uh, on, um, what was it? It was on the threshold expeditions page, I think, where you said like, when people ask you what you do, like you almost back away from saying I'm a professional runner. Be, be and, and you know. So I, I wanted to dig in a little bit about understanding like the the duality of the identity as a runner versus a coach or business owner, mm-hmm. because like so you know from the outside, so many people, uh, maybe so many listeners would love to just be like, yep, professional athlete. I'm a runner. I'm a climber. Whatever, right? But then when you are that, you're also like, no, but I'm so much more,
0: right? Right. Right. Yeah. I just think that label is really isolating for two reasons. And one is just what you mentioned. I've got my hands in so many different things. Like I guess technically, yeah, I'm a professional runner. I get paid to run. I have sponsors. They're great. They support me, but I'm also a business owner. Um, I'm, you know, I work for protect our winters. Um, I am a coach, a nutritionist and a newly, um, established travel running company, um, founder. So I've got all these things going on in my life, and I wouldn't say that running takes like the biggest chunk of space. I think I, I try to balance things pretty well. and then outside of that, like my personal life, like my friends and family matter. Like I'm not just like <laughs> so geeking out and running or like take myself too seriously. And I think when when people hear professional runner, they think of like, a 5,000 meter track runner, who's like, you know, runs twice a day, and is like, super regimented about everything, and I'm really not like that, that's not my personality at all, um, and and I also, like, I run, but, but I do other things, so I'm more of like, I like to say now I'm an um, adventurist, or like, an adventure athlete, um, because I, I just go out, and like, yeah, running's probably my favorite mode, but hiking, skiing, hiking, paddling like really anything outdoors i enjoy it and i would say like i i don't just run every every day like i mix things up and so like hearing oh you're a professional runner it's like yeah but i kind of dabble in other things too
2: (laughs) yeah i mean i feel like that's pretty limiting right to be labeled that um I, love, I would love to hear about Threshold and building that company um, because it looks rad. <laughs> I was like, how can I go on one of these? Um, so maybe just talk about what it is and, and maybe what prompted the the start of it.
0: Yeah, I'm super proud of this company. There's um, It's founded by four women, which is also really rad. Um, and it's been in the works for like a year. So we just came together and... Um, you know, thought about how we could provide or kind of mesh our love for trails um, and travel, because all of us really enjoy both of those. And there are opportunities for people to go out on these wonderful, like travel um, organizations or trips. And there's, great opportunities for people to go to running camps. They don't really overlap well. Like a lot of the running camps are really focused on running and like not so much the experience. So we really wanted to curate this experience where we're going to pick this beautiful destination. Um, right now they're just in the United States, but we're going to go um, internationally when things calm down a little bit. <laughs> we can go um, to places again. Yeah. When places are open. <laughs> yeah. um, you have like this beautiful setting um, and have, you know, kind of nice, accommodations like we definitely say they're luxurious accommodations because we want to make it the experience so limiting the size to eight people um and it's really going to be just this experience with good food um good conversation good vibe good energy um and beautiful trail runs and although trail running is like kind of the premise we have like a lot of options so it's not like you have to be able to run 10 miles to do it we have like shorter options every single day. And honestly, like someone could hike the the trails if they were just like really wanting to go and not, not so much of a runner, but more of an adventurous like me. Um, And just enjoy like some time away in a beautiful setting and kind of my specialty or what I'm bringing to it is, is one just being a runner, I guess, we're hoping that will draw people in, but then I'm doing all the nutrition and it's going to be fantastic. So not our, are the, not only are the meals going to be like well balanced, but they're going to be delicious and we're going to have good wine. Um, so it's not going to be like, you know, food is like the, the second thought. It's like, no, no, we're going to eat well.
2: I love that so in in pivoting I mean there's some things I guess that carry over from like obviously running your own business and like having your own clients and that kind of like client management aspect but then running an events and travel business is like a completely separate (laughs) skill set so what have you learned so far in in building that company out with your fellow co-founders
0: I've learned teamwork is important, Uh, (laughs) delegating and sticking to your area of expertise. And so, fortunately, two of the other women are really more on the business end. But we've done a lot of research on just like how we're going to promote this and like the timing and all of these things that I wasn't really aware of, like how much how much planning has to go into the launch and you know like the social media metrics um, and. It's been kind of fascinating um, in some ways, and then all the the legal, the legal aspects, and that part I don't love, but it's good to learn. It's night and day different from what I do, um, you know, with with my business because it's much smaller and it's just me. Um, but it's been a really incredible experience to learn some of those business skills. Like I'm, I'm definitely someone who likes to learn, like throughout life, and this is something out of my my normal area, um, and it's been really cool.
1: It's interesting, science and legal, like yeah. f- from somebody who, who might not be into either, might seem like you could kind of, like the same kind of person might enjoy science and math and legal and, and those kinds of things, but I feel like they're so, so different. Like poring over scientific, like academic research versus a contract, this yeah. contract law is yeah. so opposite of, of the world.
0: It's sort of like French and Portuguese. Like <laughs> you can know one but nothing about the other one.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Super interesting. So so what are, uh what's i guess the the launch plan uh given the the current state of the yeah. world? Yeah.
0: Well, that was a little bit like, oh jeez, we're launching this company right now and this is all happening. But in some ways it's great timing because all events are canceled like really i mean all all running races are canceled for the summer and the fall probably not till 2021 for the most part so our first trip is going to be at the end of october and we're limiting our group size anyways um so it's going to just be eight people and we definitely have plans in place to you know follow the rules of um 19 whatever that's going to be at the time of like protecting ourselves and the people there um so i'm hoping that people who didn't get a chance to do their big event this year are kind of interested in maybe going and like pushing their boundaries somewhere else, or maybe not pushing the boundaries, maybe just doing an enjoyable running. Little
1: 10 mile dabble.
0: Yeah, a little time i travels, travel, no so big deal. Um, <laughs> but that's so our first one. Um, we've got everything. We've got the permits in place. We've got everything scheduled, everything booked. So end of October. And then our plan is to do about one a quarter. And um, our other sites are going to be Telluride, Silverton, Colorado. So beautiful. Um, Pinhoti, Alabama, which is local to some of the southern, two of the southern women um, in our company. Uh, New Mexico, which is just a stunning place. It's so different if you've never run there. Super Um,
1: underrated. Not enough people go check out New Mexico.
0: Actually, keep it underrated. (laughs) Eight people Um, people only. (laughs) And then we definitely are going to have a camp here in the Marin Headlands because, I mean, we're close to fantastic food and Napa and trails. So, and since I'm local here now, it'll be easier to to facilitate with someone who actually lives here.
2: Makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Okay, so he convinced me I'll come to one. Yeah, I um,
0: mean, <laughs> we would love to have you. Yeah.
2: Jonathan jokes with me after our interviews because oftentimes, like, we'll talk to someone and I'm like, all right, I'm buying whatever they're selling, like, whether it's like a nutrition plan or I bought like all the books and like calendars and everything. So it's photos. You get it
0: about things I do the same I'm just like oh that's so cool I'm
1: so in yeah Yeah, listeners if you have if you have anything to sell just you just need to get (laughs) Emily on uh, the phone just get a video call with her and and you got
2: it if you just explain your passion (laughs) then I'm like okay you yes I'll pay you for this (laughs) that's awesome so in Bringing together, um, so you're, again, I'm kind of like going back between like the coaching and then now this new business, which obviously there's some crossover and skills, but then it's like you were working for yourself and now you have all these other co-founders, which to your point, like teamwork makes the dream work, but was there (laughs) like some hesitance in kind of like handing certain points off to other people? And was that challenging because you're used to kind of managing your own business?
0: Yeah, I'm definitely a type A person. And I was the, the kid in like college who when you did a group project, I did all the work because I <laughs> wanted it to be right. <laughs> so yeah, it's been, you know, a, a little not challenging, but just different for me to like pass things off and just trust that other people are going to do them because I'm, I've always been the one who does everything. And Fortunately, these women that I work with are great, and I trust them a hundred percent. But it is kind of different to be like, okay, I'm working on this part, you guys are working on this part, and then we all come together. It's like, wow, we all did our homework. Like, great job, guys. (laughs) Um, It is admittedly hard for me to not have control over everything, but I think that's good for me too because um, that's not a great quality to have to control everything. Um, And I've learned in my life just through injury, divorce life stuff that you can't control so much and you just have to you have to roll with it and make the best of the situation
1: that's such yeah. an interesting parallel to draw the the college thing because i feel like that you just i never thought about it that way but you literally just hit on like the deepest fear of delegation and that is that other people won't do the work right. or they won't do it the way you would do it which you know is good
2: mm-hmm. better yeah <laughs> Well, I think that kind of though, the the uncontrollable kind of mirrors like big trail races too, where you're like, yeah. I can prepare as much as I possibly can. I can have the right nutrients. I can yada, yada, yada. And something could still go terribly wrong the day of the race, no matter how much I prepare and get ready for it. Um, no matter
1: how much you yada, yada.
2: No matter how much you yada, yada it up, it's. Yeah. <laughs> So that's an interesting kind of parallel to... Um you know, the, the life experiences and, and letting go and delegating a bit more.
0: Yeah. And maybe that's why I first learned it was in hundred mile races. Cause I, I feel like sometimes in the shorter races, like things go wrong, but it's like, eh, you can get through it. Um, yeah. but in a hundred mile race, it's like, no, you got a problem solve and you're kind of just at the mercy of like the mountain, like UTMB has rocked my world a few times. And I've just been <laughs> like, whoa, I gotta just like, I just got work through this. Like I am not in control here.
1: <laughs> Why did you want to go run a hundred miles? Why did I? Yeah.
0: Um, I like to push myself. Um, I guess it wasn't something where I was like, "Oh, hundred miles sounds great. I'm gonna do that." I kind of fell into ultra running. Um, it, it just like I fell into trail running because I I was I loved running on the trails. I dabbled in a few races. They went well. And the longer the distance, the better I seem to do because I'm not super fast. And so I just kind of like organically signed up for 50 K and it went well and just built up from there. And the reason I wanted to do a hundred mile race, um, was because the first ultra runners that I really met and that became my friends and my mentors were really into Western States. Like Mm -hmm. they just lived her Western States. And one of those women is Megan Arbogast. Um, Megan Laws is her name now. She remarried and Craig Thornley, and he's the race director, um, of Western States. So used to live in Oregon. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I knew them and I was like, wow, I want to do that race someday. Like I just admire it and I want to do it. And fortunately for me, the first time I listened to them and I built up slowly. So the first time I did do Western States, it went really well. <laughs> 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 I was ready for it. Um, and it was incredible.
2: Is by that the by, year that
1: you won? Yeah, you by, won. Re- by really well, you mean you won?
0: I okay. Did, I did win. I have a hard time just saying that, but it, it, to me, it was like it, like all the stars kind of aligned in a way that like this race means a lot to me. Like I've been admiring it for years and it's my first hundred miler and I won the race. Like that was just like magical.
2: Yeah, that's beautiful. Especially because your, your mentors were like, okay, you got to build up to this. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes hard. I feel like for people who are runners who are like, no, I don't... I, I, I want to just go for the big thing. I want to try the hard thing, you know, and to like build up to it slowly is kind of challenging sometimes.
0: It is. Um, and I've kind of just like sat back and watched this happen like time after time of new runners getting into the sport and they have about two years and that they just like burn out or they're injured or just not interested. And my friend Megan and I call them visitors to the sport. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, bye. (laughs) (laughs)
2: I would be interested to hear maybe for that particular race or another race that you were really psyched on the result. Um, I I always find it interesting, like the mantras that people talk about or that they set before the race that they're going to like tell themselves as they go through the race. So I'd be interested to hear if you have any that have worked really well for you in in running those longer races.
0: Yeah. I, I don't like set, concrete goals or really like mentally prepare which might sound <laughs> kind of funny but i just approach the race um as like a fun day in the mountains and really just try to be as happy as i can for as long as i can while taking care of myself. So, I mean, that doesn't mean like running like an idiot. Like I, I definitely start slow and like respect the pace that I can sustain and fuel well. But um, a really good example, and this isn't necessarily my best race, but this last summer I ran CCC, which is the 100K version of UTMB. And mm-hmm. um, I mentioned I'd had a couple surgeries. So I just had had a surgery in April on my foot. And so I hadn't been running much and just wanted to, like, treat myself to, like, a day in the mountains. And I just went into this race with, like, I don't know, six weeks of training. So, like, very, like, humbly. (laughs) And, I mean, I had been hiking and had enough volume, but not not a lot of depth and confidence. So I got to the start line, and I was just like, Wow you're going to treat yourself to a whole day running. Like this is going to be fantastic. And just smiled the entire way, like took my time. And I felt like just because I I was so positive and I didn't really care about like results or places I ended up finishing fourth and just like finishing with like the biggest smile on my face. And I don't know if I would have approached it like, okay, I want to race today if I would have done that well. (laughs) So I think kind of what I've learned is like the best approach for me is to just run happy um, and just realize that like it doesn't really matter like you know how, how fast you run or where you finish. It's about the experience and that tends to bring out a better result in the end anyways.
2: Yeah. And isn't there a lot of science that says, like, if you smile while you're working out in any way, it, like, makes it feel easier? There's, like, some I've sort of, like, that. trick that you're yeah, playing
0: with I, I don't know if I've felt that, but I've heard that.
2: <laughs> I don't know if, like, in 100K that makes a sense. I'm like, burpees, yeah. If I smile while I'm doing those, maybe they'll be easier. Mm-hmm. But I don't know about, like, 100 miles. <laughs>
1: yeah. I don't know. Oh, makes anything better.
2: Though. Yeah. <laughs>
1: So when you're like coming back from any kind of an injury, like what is your uh, timeline to get back to running how you do, right? Because I, I feel like that's, you know, a lot of people might go on, uh, they might go and push themselves on a marathon or on a 50K or, um, or even a half marathon, and then they, they tweak something or they're just spent and then they kind of give themselves the, the time off to recover whether it's mentally or physically but then obviously getting back to that point of being able to run a marathon or 33 miles or something is uh is a bear it's like resetting right yeah. so like h- how do you get back to um to tackling another 100 after you give yourself the time off
0: well i think everyone is different and every race has a different recovery. For me, some I've recovered really quick and other ones have taken forever. And it just, it, you can't really predict. Um, you just kind of have to read your body. And I'm, I'm really intuitive on my body. I've had some practice over the years. So I kind of know when I'm feeling good, when I'm not feeling good, when to push, when to like sit on my butt for another couple of weeks. Um, so it's kind of like an art, I think that's like the best reason to have a coach. And you know, coaches are great for like prescribing workouts and getting you race ready. But I find the biggest benefit of a coach is like helping you recover and not to overdo it. Because most runners are type A and they like to push and they have a hard time just like taking a couple easy days or like pulling in the reins when it's when they need to. And so I think a coach is really great for that aspect because they're invested in helping you the individual like do the best possible job you can do and that really means recovery that's like you know the work is the hard part but the recovery is where you reap all the benefits
2: oh, i have to do that more
0: <laughs> you need a coach emily
2: <laughs> i know i don't. we'll talk after a second <laughs> she's, she's going to be on
1: threshold expeditions she's
2: going to be your <laughs> coach to <laughs> Wow. Yeah, I know. I, I was thinking about that because um, I saw something recently about, you know, a, new companies that are coming out, like doing new um, nutrition plans for people during this time as a way to like pivot their business. Um, and I was like, wow, I, I just have become a vegan recently. And so like that has added some. I don't really know if it added challenges, but it did add some complexity to my, mm-hmm. my recovery and what I put in my body, obviously. Mm-hmm. And so for you and for, you know, other coaches that you potentially or nutrition experts that you talk to or work with, like, what are you guys, because um, a lot of people are going plant based. And so I'd love to hear your perspective on that lifestyle choice and um, how you go about like coaching around nutrition to someone who's plant-based. And I'm not trying to get like a freebie here. I'm just no, like, no, for no. other this people.
0: Is <laughs> this is a great question. And I think yes. it's, it's really pertinent to the times because as you said, a lot of people are going plant-based. So I'll give you kind of two perspectives, like two lenses of how I think about plant-based and um, I'm going to start with the the more boring one and that's the performance side. So Yeah. A lot of um, lay opinion articles have been written and like uh, documentaries like Game Changers that promote a plant-based diet for improved performance. Um, Now an energy match diet that is includes animal products. Energy match is the key part here. Energy match high quality diet. There is no performance benefit from eating plant-based. I can really say that confidently with the disclaimer that the, animal product diet has to be a good diet as well. You can eat a lot of crap on both ends. It's more difficult when you're plant-based. So if you're eating a high quality diet that includes animal proteins versus a high quality diet with plant proteins, there's no difference in performance. So that's kind of like, you know, if you're looking to gain an edge and you're not already plant-based, switching to plant-based probably isn't going to help you. Um, so there's there's that lens. Now, the other more interesting lens um, is just the, the benefits of including more plants in your diet, which I think everybody can benefit from. We should all eat more plants, less meat. Um, and then also the environmental and sustainability aspect, which is huge to me as well. Um, I work for Protect Our Winters, which is a nonprofit um, working on climate advocacy. And, um, you know, most people could probably stand to, Eat less meat um, for health reasons um, and for you know the the impact on the planet. And so when I'm working with people, I you know I don't promote a plant-based diet, but I encourage eating a lot of plants. And um, one, there's a lot of nutrients in them. So they're the colors um, of different plants. They're chock full of vitamins and minerals and antioxidants, and that's huge. Um, and then also on a vegan diet, it's not hard to get protein like that's the the (laughs) thing that people are always like oh how do you get protein do you have to eat protein powder it's like no you just have to be a little bit educated but Emily to your point of like okay I have to think a little bit more you do have to be more conscious about what you put in your body because if I'm including animal proteins I can just have an egg and then like no big deal right I've got all the amino acids I need but if you're already in plant-based it's like you have to think about it a little bit because you can't just eat the same foods over and over again because likely you'll be deficient in some sort of um, nutrient so a diverse diet a diverse plant-based diet is like kind of one of the keys but also it's not hard to get protein so I think what I would say like my bottom line is like yeah eat mostly plants and i'm a fan of some animal products as long as they are um really sustainability you know raised um and they're not coming from like big beef manufacturing plants because that the carbon footprint of those is is really bad for the environment yeah yeah okay well that gives me (laughs) that gives me enough to go on (laughs) I think, you know, and and for some people who maybe don't eat healthy, like they need to clean up their diets, plant-based is a really good way to clean up (laughs) your diet. So a lot of times people lose weight and they're like, oh, this diet is so great. It makes me feel good. And it's just because of the reduced calories, uh, more micronutrients that they're feeling great. Not necessarily that it's all plants, but I think as a general rule of thumb, it's great to eat plants, eat more of them.
1: But it's also easy to eat the wrong stuff even if you're like when when something is vegan there's like a perception that it's healthy but even like the beyond burgers which i love they're they're like they're they're good but i'm pretty sure there's a lot more fat in a beyond burger than anything else and and not the best fats as well
0: yeah yeah. so there's like the the claims on the labels of like my two favorite are vegan and gluten-free and I think whole foods, real foods are great, but when you're eating processed foods, like a gluten-free cookie is no better than a real right. cookie and probably worse for you, to be honest, because of all the stuff that's added in there. Um, and it doesn't taste as good anyways. And unless you're celiac, you don't need to do that. Same thing with vegan. It's like, you know, if you're eating plants, like you can buy those around the perimeter of the grocery store. But when you go up and down the aisles, I think we get – um. Uh, we get kind of blinded by these labels that claim that things are healthy. And then we're like, oh, this must be good for me. And it's like, actually, it's no better than the real thing. Like vegan Oreos, like, Neh. I mean, same thing <laughs> as real Oreos. Right. Uh, and you can have a really deficient, crummy diet as a vegan. I know uh, uh, an acquaintance who eats chips and salsa and that's kind of it. And it's like, <laughs> I'm glad you're a vegan. vegan. But, um, that's, you're, you're missing a lot there. Yeah, it does scare me that Oreos are vegan. It
2: like really scares me because it doesn't taste like it's vegan, it right. <laughs> right?
0: Vegan doesn't mean that there's not a lot of like chemicals or additives, right. and there just means there's no animal product. So I think it is really important to look at labels. And I just say like my my take is like processed foods should be a minimal part of your diet. Do I eat processed foods? Yes, but they're not the majority of my diet. Like most of my diet's coming from real food.
1: So how how are you fueling your long runs? You know, we we actually I think it was our second interview, I want to say episode 3, we had Claire Gallagher on and uh and she famously like talks about um winning Leadville, basically just mowing Nutella oh. or like chocolate frosting. I icing, icing, yeah. Ice chocolate icing, changed,
0: right? Claire has changed her ways for the has,
1: has yeah. yeah. So yeah. so I'm I'm, I'm curi- I know that that's like there are one side of the coin is just like whatever your body wants in the moment, just like chow on the potato chips or the icing or whatever. But how do you feel?
0: Yeah. So mine is really science-based and it's, it's not, it's pretty, you know, where nutrition is complicated, working with people, fueling during running is not complicated. There's like way less black or like way less gray area. It's, it's fairly black and white. I mean, there's some room for individual preferences and it depends on the, the length of the event. Um, and this is where I can really get gout in science. So I'll try to keep it like brief, <laughs> but, um, basically just to give you like a little background when you sit down for a meal, right. You're like sitting and you eat things, you digest them. Like blood flow goes to your stomach and you start breaking things down and then they're absorbed across your intestines and they enter your bloodstream slowly and your pancreas releases insulin and it takes it all up. And that's great. But when you're running, blood flow goes to your muscles. So it has to go, has if extra blood flow is going to your muscles, it has to come from somewhere. We don't just like make more blood suddenly. So one of the places is from the stomach. So we don't have a lot of blood flow to the stomach. And so you don't want to eat things that you have to digest because digestion is slowed, like very much slowed. And so what you want when you're running, especially at a higher intensity, is things that just absorb across the like. Absorb through the stomach, across the small intestines, get into the blood. Um, And that comes down to simple sugars. And you don't want to eat simple sugars when you're just eating a meal because that'll spike your blood sugar. But when you're running, that's what you want because you want that energy to get into your body quick so that your muscles can use it. And it's not like when you take in that sugar, it goes to your body to be stored. It goes right to the working muscles to provide them with energy so they can keep keep moving, basically keep contracting. Um, And that's kind of oversimplifying it. But just to kind of like give you a visual of like, okay, why don't you want to eat a big piece of cheese? Um, Well, it's probably going to sit in your stomach. And even if you do digest it, it's going to be really slow to get into your bloodstream. And it's mostly fat. And you're not going to be using that fat for energy, you're going to be using carbohydrate. You do use a lot of fat, but that fat is stored in the muscles. It's not like fat that you take in um, that gets shuttled to the muscles. It's already there. And so I think there's this misconception about like, oh, I should just like, you know, eat these real foods. Eating real foods when you're eating a meal is absolutely what you should do. But when you're running, you want like that engineered sports products, like simple sugars and to like geek out even more. It's it's a two to one ratio of... Um, like multidextrin, which is glucose, um, to fructose. And that's because they're absorbed on different receptors, um, in the gut. So you can get more into the body quicker. So, um, that's like a, a like the, I guess the general, like how much, like what you should take, um, in a hundred mile race or a, a longer race, like if you're going to be out for like 12, 14, 30 hours, um, <laughs> you need some real food because you're not just fueling for, the race you're actually feeling to like keep your body alive and there's times where the intensity is going to be a little bit slower and you can get more real food in but the majority of the fuel is going to come from simple carbohydrates
2: damn
0: a, <laughs> this
2: is
1: a fantastic little master class here so so <laughs> for for simple sugars and simple carbohydrates like what what are your go-tos
0: so I, I am sponsored by Cliff Bar, so I tend to use their products. But I used them before I was a Cliff athlete because I really um, was impressed by their science. Um, but products I recommend to my clients are Cliff um, gels and blocks. Um, I recommend goo um, gels, chews, and um, stroopwafels because they're delicious. And then also so good makes really good products. And the reason that I prefer those three companies is purely off of their science and their nutrition profile in their products. Um, there's lots of other companies that are maybe smaller that have great um, sugar profiles as well, but those are just the three that you can find most anywhere in the country. and. I really think a mix of different types is important. So not just doing just gels, not just blocks, because you get palate fatigue. So mixing up the flavors and the textures and adding in something savory is really helpful, especially in a longer race. And so I actually will add in like a couple potato chips just for that salt. Or um, my other favorite is instant mashed potatoes that you can kind of just sip almost. And that's purely <laughs> just to get some sodium into my body. And then also to get Give my mouth a break from all the sweet yeah I don't have a potato chip sponsor yet
2: (laughs) Yet. (laughs) Yes, we'll work on that yeah Yeah. (laughs) I can definitely relate to that mouth or the taste fatigue because like at the end of a long run where I've just been eating blocks and or you know that's basically all I eat I'm not even gonna lie um (laughs) I'm like I need a sandwich (laughs) I need something big and like maybe bad for me (laughs)
0: Or yeah, salty or like crunchy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice. Yep. Yeah. And a lot of times that's like a physiological craving. Like we get lots of different cravings. Like some are just like hedonistic, like that smells good. I want to eat that. But physiological cravings, like after a run, craving something salty and fatty is usually because that's what your body needs. Cause you've just like sweat out a bunch of electrolytes and you're probably a little bit behind on, on your energy. And so sometimes it's okay to indulge in those.
2: Okay, fine. I will there you go (laughs) so we've talked about like your coaching business and uh, threshold expeditions so how does the north face and being sponsored by them and working with them kind of play into all the rest of this i mean how did that come about I, i imagine it came about around the time that you won western states in my mind um but you know how did that come about and how does that kind of like work into the rest of this
0: Yeah, so I've been with the North Face since 2012, um, actually, which is like a lot, I've been with them for a long time, and um, basically, I just, I kind of feel fortunate that I um, started doing the longer trail races, and one of my friends, Cammie Semek, was on the North Face team, and we were pretty good friends. I was, you know, younger, new up and coming runner. And she was like, yeah, I, you know, I'd love to talk to my manager and just see about getting you on the team. And I was like, head over heels. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I started as um, what they called a regional athlete and I think that's what no a national athlete and so they have two levels on the North Face team the national athletes are kind of more like ambassadors and you get like some product and a little bit of travel money and kind of earn your stripes on the team and I did that for I think two or three years and just kind of like from there like worked my way up into like dabbling in more races longer races western states and after that uh, I started like I was Um, added to the global team, which is like, um, you know, you're connected to all the athletes then, like the climbers, the skiers, um, like the the Alpinist, uh, North Face has an incredible team, and really just get the support from this company who wants to, one, just like, you know, help athletes do their sport, their passion, but two, like, um, facilitate adventure, Um, North face fits really well with my ethos of like, I'm not a runner. Like they really don't care about like necessarily your times or your race results. Mm -hmm. I mean, they do to a point, but they're more about like, what are you doing out in, you know, like out in the world? Are you like doing these cool adventures? Are you doing anything philanthropic? Are you, you know, being a mentor for people? And as part of it, being a North face athlete, we get to do these expedition, um, proposals like each year you put in a couple and if you get picked you get to go do this project that you've um wanted to do for you know however long and I think that's really cool that's like their core interest in sponsoring athletes is to is to get out there and like adventure hard and I love that
2: Hmm. I want to propose an expedition (laughs) Yeah.
0: yeah, I know
2: I think we've had Who do we have on? Oh, Sam Elias was on very early on and he talked Mm -hmm. to us a little bit about that process. And um, I was like, that's so cool. You just get to like be creative. You come up with maybe with some other athletes on the team and you're like, wouldn't this be cool if we could do this and maybe bring some film people and make a little thing about it. Like that's so cool, just creatively and using your brain. And it's cool that they promote that like the athletes are doing that and trying to come up with that themselves and and get creative that way instead of just like what races are you doing this year
0: right you know? it's like races are cool and all but they're like not that meaningful <laughs> in some ways it's like you do it you finish like okay whereas like in a project or an expedition it's like you have all this building like, you know, story behind it. And usually it's done for a cause of some sort. And then you have like this deliverable you can, you know, put out to the community after. And I think those those things are much more meaningful in the long run than like running a race.
1: It's a business in and of itself, right? You come up with an expedition idea and then there's there's planning, there's logistics, there's there's marketing, there's product. It's like, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a business yeah. experience. There- and that's why it's like fun to work on and bring to life.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
1: So what, uh, are there any kind of new creative endeavors swirling in your mind uh, with, with this downtime running the trails, like oh, anything new you're always, trying to bring to life?
0: Always. Um, <laughs> this year is going to be a little bit different for me, obviously. I'm just, but I, I'm accepting it. Like I'm actually really psyched to just like take the gas off and like, just kind of Um, get to know this new place that I moved to, like no changes for all, like let's just hunker down here. Um, But I wanna explore locally this summer Um, and actually locally meaning like, I'll probably go to Colorado at some point because I, the past like four or five years, I've gone to Chamonix in the summer and like that's my summer place. That's where I spend my birthday. I run in the mountains there and I'm not gonna go this year because it just doesn't feel right. just feels like those are resources I don't necessarily need to be expending and international travel I don't think it's the right time to do so I'll probably go to to um the south um like the San Juan mountains in Colorado and play around but my my goal right now and this is way far away but UTMB 2021 like it's you know over a year away but that's that's a race I haven't mastered yet I don't know if I'll ever master it but I just want to I wanna do my best for the day at UTMB. Um, I just haven't had that. I've had things fall apart that just prevented me from doing my best. And so I'm still like, I gotta get that one. Like, gotta check that one. Like, okay, I had a good day over there.
1: How, how do you walk away from those in the past where you've, you've you know had some factors at play that have prevented you from having a good day? Like, does that affect you? deeply that you, you need to spend some time like reflecting or, or does it re- give you like renewed motivation instantly to just double down and move on?
0: Yeah, I'm not super tied to results. Um, I'm not like, you know, like, oh, I was fourth. Oh uh, I should have won. Like, I, I don't think like that. Um, I've definitely been not, well, disappointed isn't the right word. I've just been a little bummed in that I have like, have had things sort of out of my control just like make the day less fun but sometimes I'm more proud of those finishes like one I think it was my second UTMB it took me 30 hours and uh I've never been more proud than like when I finally crossed that finish line like in tears like it was just the longest most awful day like I don't know how I finished um Like I, there was some mental tenacity there. So I guess I was, I'm not as upset as people might think. I'm actually like when it gets tough, like really proud of those finishes. Nice. That's awesome. That's good. That's where we all should be.
1: (laughs) Do you fall down when you cross the finish line?
0: (laughs) Not typically. Um, I think that particular UTMB, I crossed the finish line and I sat down because I was so exhausted. But usually, you know, you've been running for so long and like there's people out like lining the road and you don't want to like make a scene. I don't anyway. So I like I will slow down to like smile and like have a good ending. Um, actually, like kind of a funny story. My first Western States, um, I was I finished 1801 was my time. And we had one mile to go at Western States. I was in the lead by like 30 minutes. I wasn't going to get caught. And um, the last mile is kind of like downhillish on pavement. And then you get onto the track. And my crew was like, come on, let's go. You can break 18. And I was like, no, 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 <laughs> I am savoring this last mile. I don't wanna like run super hard and like fall over the finish line and like be exhausted. I wanna take this in and I'm so glad I did because like it's it's a magical feeling of like getting onto the track and like high-fiving little kids and like the lights are on and um, I don't know, I would just prefer to like enjoy that last, the last moments before the finish line. So I don't generally fall over. <laughs>
2: don't oh, know were you asking because that's what you did after the marathon I, that we did together? I mean, not
1: just the marathon and my 50k and like even like my 14 mile run the other day. Like I just, when when I'm done, it's just like I just let my body kind of just like lay down and and just like okay, breathe breathe it in and like that that's my recovery is you just like
0: much harder than me. Maybe.
1: Yeah, I'm just like feel feel the ground and just like relax muscles and be happy with what you did.
0: Yeah, I kind of love that too.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
2: Well, Stephanie, we ask every guest the same question at the end of our episode. And that is, what does stoke mean to you?
0: Ooh. I think stoke means to me, like, kind of that merging of your passion and um, what you're good at and getting out there and, like, just like feeling that energy. And for me, definitely, it's like running in the (laughs) mountains. um hiking in the mountain just being outside and moving actually to make it less descriptive i think that's my stoke and that's what gets me up every single day and keeps me excited about life
1: i love i love that you said your passion merging your passion and what you're good at because they're definitely not the same thing all the time (laughs) (laughs) and that's that's beautiful it's a good answer
2: So where can, if people want to catch up with you or kind of follow along with what you're doing and what Threshold is doing, um, is Instagram the best place or your website or?
0: Yeah, I'm most active on Instagram, Stephanie Marie Howe. Um, My website is Howe.com, so original. And uh, Threshold has a fantastic website. It's thresholdexpeditions.com. And right now you can sign up for our first camp or get, Priority emails about the upcoming camp. So check it out. Awesome like the dog is really excited about it, yeah,
2: Benji wants to Benji
1: is stoked on threshold <laughs> expeditions. Yes.
2: <laughs> well, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate it, yeah, thanks
0: for having me. It was great to chat with you guys.
1: Really hope you enjoyed that episode. Before you go, it would mean the world to us if you dropped a review of the podcast wherever you're listening. And also, if you're not subscribed yet, definitely hit that button so you can tune in each week and not miss an episode. But also, don't miss out on the conversations happening inside our member Facebook group. Just search The Stokecast Podcast on Facebook and join up. Or reach out to say hi on socials at eHalls, at Jonathan Ronzio, or at The Stoke Cast. Thanks again, and stay stoked.